All right. Well, Yvette, you want to pray for us this morning? Yeah. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful weather. We don't always get it, but we live in an area that, Lord, you bless us with both. So we thank you for that, Father. All the prayer requests that went up today heard, spoken and unspoken, Lord God, we thank you that you already knew before we even spoke them out what our needs are, what, um, what we're going to ask. We thank you in advance for answered prayers, for they are yes and amen, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean for this time all the time, but that you are a God that's right on time. As for traveling mercies for Carrie, and she's coming home, Father, you know, angels surround that vehicle, um, and the car's coming in her direction and traveling with her in the direction she's heading. Protect it, Lord. God, protect all of them. Um, and place a hedge of protection around Carrie. Um, give her peace while she's driving, and uh, no stress, Lord. And I thank you that she was able to go visit. Father, I thank you for the message of Friday. Um, on this Sermon on the Mound with uh, Kay. And Lord, I thank you that we need to just stop and, and, and exhale a little bit to, to inhale you, not to let the, the cares of this week get interfering with our lives right now, um, that we make choices of the battles we choose to uh, put ourselves in in our flesh, and that we step out of that and allow you to guide our every step and every move. Bless every family that's represented here, Lord God. Keep them safe from danger and harm. Protect them, Lord. Um, and the ones of our families that need prayer, my granddaughter flying into Pennsylvania with her mom, keep them safe as the weather is pretty rough up there. I thank you for um, safe arrival for those that are traveling home. So Father, be with the families and this thing that happened in Fort Lauderdale. And... Sometimes things that take place, we don't have answers for when they say why. But Lord, all we have to do is hold on to you. I thank you for mercy and I thank you for grace. I thank you that you're a merciful God to us every morning and that your mercies are new every morning. And again, we choose to step out from underneath your umbrella of protection, whether it's with our attitude, whether it's with fear, with worry, anxiety. Lord, gently, um, or whatever it takes, Bring us back, woo us back, and reel us back into you till we stay aligned where we need to be. Um, you know, Father, we uh, we just got through one year. We don't know what this year holds, but there's no reason for us to be anxious for anything because you tell us, be anxious for nothing, you know, but by all things in prayer and supplication. May we continue these days constantly praying to you, Lord God, when our mind starts to get weary or wander, that we know that's the time we need to start talking with you and speaking with you. And then most of all, being still and listening to your, your direction, your directives, where you want us to go, what you want us to do, that we don't just step out, Lord. We, Lord, give us the strength to uh, sever the ungodly soul ties with people that we need to sever them from, that you will walk us through that and you will protect them as well. Um, give us the strength to be able to stand up boldly for you first and not for ourselves and our families and our kids and our grandkids, that we serve you first and the rest will all fall into place, Lord. I praise you, Father, for the valleys that we go through and that 
They're not valleys to punish us, but to give us more stamina, perseverance, wisdom, and knowledge and understanding of what you have for us. As it's been spoken over and over, the days are growing darker each day, but we are to shine brighter. And the only way to do that is that you will shine through us, that you will use us as your mouthpiece, that you will use us as your hands and your feet to serve those, even the unlovely, Lord. We pray for the ones that are homeless, that have nowhere to go, that are out in the cool, Lord God, that you will build the shelters, give people the wherewithal to help them, Lord, to give us to where we not judge whether it's if they really are or not. That's not for us to do, Lord. It's to serve. So, Lord, continue to work through us. Continue to get us into this word so deep that we may not have a Bible in one time or another, but that we know your word because it's, in, it's embedded in our, in our DNA and in our spirit and our hearts. Lord, I know that you're a forgiving God and that you forgive us where we fail you. And I thank you for that. I thank you that it's not about perfection, but it's about progress, Lord God. And we can only be perfected in you. And that won't come until we get there, but that we will progress through you, Lord God. That we will not speak God one hand and then speak our mouths in another hand in the flesh. So, Father, give us the uh, ability to forgive those who have hurt us, to wound, and have wounded us. That maybe we feel that we've been wounded, Lord God, and that we just get rid of it and release it to you and lay it at the altar. That we lay our children, our grandchildren, our will our will in particular, at your feet and at the altar, Lord God, and that we walk away empty to be filled by you, not by the stuff of this world, not by people. Father, it's been spoken as well that man is not going to be standing there next to us when we stand before the Lord. Our husbands, our boyfriends, our, our parents, our grandparents, they're not, we're not going to stand there beside our kids. It's us and you. And that we stand there before you and be able to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. We have a lot of battle scars, Lord God, but Jesus, you have the scars that show that you did it all already. And I praise you, Lord God, for this study that we're starting to take today, this chapters that we're starting to get into, Lord God. Open our ears, take the scales from our eyes, give us a mind of you, Jesus, when we ask for the mind of Christ, and give us the stamina to stay focused on you in these next few hours, Lord God. We stay focused on everything else in the world with no problem. Give us the stamina to stay focused on you. Yes. And that your will be done in our lives, not our will. Strip us from things that don't need to be in our lives. I mean, strip it. Yes. As painful as it will be, strip it off of us and away from us. Sever the ungodly soul ties. Remove it yes. from us, Lord God. Strip us of everything that we hold on to in this world people, money, jobs, whatever it is, that we may go and stand and reach out to you, to that unseen hand that sometimes we don't even think is there. Lord, we thank you that you put people and positions of, of work and things that we have done to be honored from our countries all the way down to where we're at today. We thank you for that. But that is not what defines us. You do. So I thank you, Father, again. For aligning us up. This is a year of alignment for us, Lord God, that we must align with you to move forward in this unseen spiritual battle that we try to punch the air in our flesh to hit and it won't work. We give you honor. We glorify your name. We bow down spiritually at your feet with our face at the ground right now. 
and worship you and honor you for who you are because you are God. Not our husbands, not our children, not our parents, not our grandparents. You are God, not our wives. You are God. So Lord, as we humble ourselves, Lord God, as we, as we humble ourselves in a glorified throne room in the spiritual realm, Lord God, as we lay face down prostrate at you and worshiping you, you know, worshiping you, Lord God. May we walk out of here today differently than we did when we walked up those stairs. And again, we give you glory and honor. We thank you for your servant, Rob, that's going to be ministering. We thank you for the servants that were praying today, even when we're not in the same room, but praying for this very day today, Lord God. We give it to you. We release it in the spirit realm and in the physical realm. And we glorify you. And we thank you for the thorns as well as the roses in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Father, I pray, God, that that would be our heart's desire this morning. God, that we would have a desire to run after you, to seek you, Father. The word says that if we seek you with our whole heart, God, that we would find you. I thank you, Father, that your word says that you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your son, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that your love endures forever. But I pray for each of us this morning, God, that there would be a great awakening within us, God. That we would shake off the, the slumber, God. That we would awaken from our sleep. And that we would see our need for you. That we would get beyond the temporalness of this life. And that God, that we would see that we were made for more than just the cares of this world. But God, that we were made for eternity. That God, even before you laid the foundations of this earth, God, you have purposed us. And you have planned good works for us to do. But God... Your will cannot be done in our life unless we have yielded our life to you. Unless we be born again. So I pray today, God, that we would find encouragement in your word. That as we have entered into this new year, God, that God, you would give us a desire, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. So that our lives, God, will bring glory and honor to your name. And that your kingdom would advance, Father. Because we would be effective harvesters. Laboring in your field. Seeing others coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So may we be attentive this morning, God. May you bless our time, Lord. In Jesus' name. Good morning to everyone. I wanted to share some of the points that I shared on New Year's Eve. I've been praying for us for this new year. And I'm praying that this year will be a year of growth and harvest. So here are some of the points I've laid out for us as a fellowship. That we will grow in our walks with Jesus, staying close to him that we will grow in the Word of God, deepening in our understanding, that we will grow in faith, prayer, and boldness in giving, and that we will grow in loving and in serving and helping others when we can. The call of a Christian, you all. Over the past month or so, God has really been stirring up within me to remember the things that I did before. When I first came to Christ, remembering my first love. And I want to lay that out for us this morning, because I want to give you a good foundation of where we're heading as we open up His Word today. But to remember the day and the time when Christ was revealed to you, can you recall that time? It's important. It's important to understand the the encounter of the eternal God 
when he revealed himself to you through Jesus and you saw your need for a Savior, when you fell in love with him, when he was your all in all. And if you haven't experienced that time, then my prayer is that God would reveal himself to you. That you would throw off the claims of Christianity that are just holding a form of religion and denying his power. And that you would truly be empowered by the Holy Spirit of divine revelation of who Jesus is and what it means to be born again. To be born of a new nature. Christianity is not something, your belief in God is not something that you add to your life. That's religion. You can slap Jesus' name on it, but you're not experienced the fullness of one who's been born again. You're just trapped in religion and deceived with a false sense of freedom. That's really not freedom at all. So my prayer is, is that we would be awakened to the truth. That we would truly see Jesus for who he is and why he came. The old man, the old nature which we were born into. Do we grasp the fact that it's in complete rebellion towards God? Complete rebellion towards God. But Christ came. Jesus came to set us free from that rebellion. He understood our condition. And he freely came to lay his life down so that we will live in the fullness of how he designed us to live. Everything that God created is what? Good. We see that in the account of creation. Everything he created was good. God understands in our fallen nature that there was no hope to be restored to him. Mankind will never seek after God. So Jesus gave his life for you and for me. He willingly laid his life down. And in doing so, after he was buried, he rose from the grave on the third day. He was resurrected. Oh, the joy that we ought to have as believers. That what he came to do, he accomplished. And in doing so, even while he was ministering, and when Nicodemus came to him and said, How must I enter into the kingdom of God? Jesus says, You must be born again. And Nicodemus, a well-educated you know, man, said, Well, how can that happen? My mother cannot have me again. Jesus is like, no, you must be born of the Spirit. It's a new nature, you all. It's a whole new being. It's a whole new way of living. Again, Christianity is not you adding God to you or belief in God to your life. No, Christianity is you lose your life. You die to the old. And now a newness comes forth. And you begin to grow in it. You begin to mature in it. 
you begin to depend on him because what you recognize is this new nature cannot be intertwined with the old. It's a whole new way of living, you all, a whole new way of thinking. How does the Bible say that he transforms us? By the renewing of our minds. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. It's not a one-shot prayer. And poof. No, it's a day in and day out decision to follow Christ. There is a war for your soul. The enemy, the world, and the flesh will love nothing more than to see you destroyed. And experience the wrath of God. But God has intervened. And God has displayed such great love. And that's why I've been encouraging us for quite some time now. Why would you trade his love for his wrath? Why would you settle to be separated from him for eternity? This concept of being born again. Jesus laid it out when he spoke with Nicodemus. And over through the generations and generations and generations, it has been preached. And people have experienced this new life. Can you look at your old way before Christ? And do you consider yourself dead? If not, you're not saved. And you say, well, that's harsh. No, that's truth. It's truth. And I love you all enough to lay out the truth for you. Because it's the truth that you find in his word. It's the truth that Jesus himself taught. It's the truth that has been taught throughout the ages. And everything that God has laid out and the truth in which he's established, the enemy comes in to try to water it down. To cater to the flesh. To cater to your desires and your ways. And then we begin to form a God in our image. And this is acceptable to us, God. But that is not a Christian life. The Christian life sees God for who He is. He is holy. And we are of a new nature. We are partakers of His divine nature. And that's how we ought to be living to excuse that, to think that he would bend his rules for us is stripping him of who he is. And that's not what a Christian is to be doing. We are to take him for the fullness of who he is. Listen, I was the worst of worst. Sometimes I look at my life and go, God, only you could have done this. Only you could awaken us to the depths of the sin that we were in and in total rebellion. Only he can awaken us and draw him to himself and to receive the fullness of love. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The wholeness that comes when you are in Christ. Because as a believer, you recognize that your position is in Christ. This world is not my home. We're not to allow the temporalness of this life to define us. No, that we can live with the abundance of the certainty that God is for us. And in that, we can 
we trust the fact that what He has begun in us, He is faithful to complete. But oh, I pray that we would be awakened to truth. Your life is to be lived to honor Him. Rebellion should not be defining you. And if it is this year, I pray that you will throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Read the letter to the churches. They are constant. If you read it, you'll see the, the theme of just grow up, mature, remember your identity in Christ. Because again, there's a war for your soul. And I want to read, before we get into our scripture this morning, I want to read from this book. And I want to encourage you this year, be purposeful. Be purposeful. Get in His Word. Read encouraging literature of, of, of old that lays out an understanding and, and gives you a, a, a knowledge of who Christ is. Don't go seeking Christian help books that only is going to speak and cater to your flesh. We got a lot of that in, in our Christian world today. They're trying to make you better. It's not about making you better. It's about allowing God to rule and reign over your life. If you give Him supreme authority, if you give the Holy Spirit the right to lead you, your life will change. You'll make decisions that will honor God. And you'll find less chaos in your life. I want to encourage you to utilize your, your smartphones. There's so many different apps on there. There's one app called Verses. And it'll help you memorize verses. I want to encourage you to download, if you don't have it, the Bible app. There's so many reading plans and devotionals that are available to us. I want to encourage you to do what you need to do to feed and to grow the newness of this new nature that you have partaken with in Christ. We've got everything that we need. And he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. This man, J.C. Ryle, is an old, he's from the days ago. A minister over in England. His writings are just as good then as, as they should be today. To speak to our generation. And this book, see how small it is? It's just a small read. But it's packed with truth about the concept of being born again. And I want you to hear just a small portion of this understanding. He writes here, and this is actually a letter that he wrote to the churches. So what you're reading here is a letter that was penned. And he says here, look at the masses of men and women gathered together in our cities, towns, and observe them well. They are all dying creatures, all immortal beings, all going to the judgment seat of Christ, all certain to live forever in heaven or in hell. But where is the slightest evidence that most of them are in the least degree and meet and ready for heaven? Look at the greater part of those who are called Christians in every parish throughout the land. Take any parish you please, any town or country. 
Take that which you know best. Listen to this. What are the tastes and pleasures of the majority of the people who live there? What do they like best when they have a choice? What do they enjoy most when they can have their own way? Observe the manner in which they spend their Sundays. Mark how little delight they seem to feel in the Bible and prayer. Take notice of the low and earthly notions of pleasures and happiness with which everywhere prevail. Among young and old, among rich and poor, mark well these things and then think quietly over this question. What would these people do in heaven? He goes on and says, and what is it that they need in order to make them fit to enjoy heaven? They need to be regenerated or born again. Listen to this. It is not a little changing and outward amendment that they require. It is not merely the putting a restraint on raging passions and then quieting of unruly affections. All this is not enough. Old age, the want of opportunity for indulgence, the fear of man may produce all of this. <laughs> The tiger is still a tiger even when he is chained. And the serpent is still a serpent even when he lies motionless and coiled up. The alteration needed is far greater and deeper. They must, everyone, have a new nature put in them. They must, everyone, be made new creatures. The fountainhead must be purified. The root must be set right. Each one wants a new heart and a new will. The change required is not that of a snake when he casts his skin and yet remains a reptile still. It is the change of the caterpillar when he dies and his crawling life ceases. But from his body rises the butterfly, a new animal with a new nature. It's not about you putting on the restraints trying to stop the old ways, trying to stop the old desires, trying to do good. It has nothing to do with that. You are still the old man, the old woman. No, it's totally about accepting what Christ has done, giving us this new nature and total dependence upon him and what he has accomplished. We are to be like that caterpillar who has died, but from that death, brings forth new life. Wow. To be born again, you all. This isn't just a concept. No, this is reality. This is what happens when one gives their life to Jesus. You no longer desire your life. Remember what we've learned here and what the scripture says. As a child of God, you are to consider yourself dead. That you've nailed that old man, that old woman to the cross. And you're not looking and seeking to, to be fulfilled in this world. And the world should have no desire for you. Do you realize he's given us everything we need to live a godly life? He has given us the ministry of reconciliation for us to go forth and to live this life 
yet though there will be pressured all around us, yet though there will not be acceptance to this good news. But yet he calls us to go forth and to minister the good news. Some will receive, some won't. But what about you today? Have you received it? Have you been born again? This is the question that is at hand. This is the question that must be answered because it determines your eternity. Again, God is not going to bend what he has established so that you can get in. No, he has laid it out. And he has purposed his plan. We live in a crazy generation, you all. Do you not see that deception is running amok? Do you not see, even if you know just a little bit of prophecy and from the word of God, do you not see how everything is coming together quickly, quickly? Like, it's not even like taking years now. Like, everything is coming together. It, it, it is crazy what is happening just overnight. How darkness is just... And I keep encouraging us, as dark as the world is getting, that's the brighter the church should be showing. We shouldn't be going along with the world. We shouldn't be acting like the world. We shouldn't be giving in to the things of this world. I mean, I would have never thought in my life I would see what I heard when I was in elementary and in junior high school. About the one world government. But all these prophecies of people saying, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, okay, whatever. Thought they were lunatics. And I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, Rob, you've turned into one of those lunatics. Because I see the fulfillment of prophecy in our days. I see what is going on. My eyes have been opened. And I have such a passion for his truth to go forth, that people will be saved. I look at these lives that were shot and killed in Fort Lauderdale. They were just going about their day, and now they're dead. People will just be going about their day today, and they will be And yet, we are harboring issues of our hearts. We are dealing with unrepentant sin. We are making choices that are still rebelling against God. And yet, we will have to give an answer. And what is your answer going to be? When he has made himself known to each of us. Again, it's not about living a perfected life. But it is about living a repentant life. See, a Christian, when they sin, they feel the, the, the remorse, like, oh God. And they don't continue it. They repent. As soon as they feel the conviction, they repent. And they give up. It's maturing what it's about. But the world, 
the lost, those who just hold a form of religion, when they sin, they grow callous, even hardened even more to the things of God. Or even if you're a good religious person, you'll beat yourself up over and over and over and over. Oh, poor me, poor me, I just can't do this. And you fall in that trap that the enemy will love nothing more than to keep you enslaved to. No, but it's not about religion anymore. It's about a relationship. It's about being born again of a new nature. Of a new nature. We can't continue to go the way we're going when we see how desperate our generation is for truth. What, are your, what is your life revealing to others around you? Such darkness and such despair out there. Do they see any difference? You're sitting in church today. Where are they? Whose life is your life impacting? How is the truth in which you've obtained being multiplied? It ought to be. We have an urgent hour in which we live in. We don't have time to slumber. We don't have time to be wrapped up in all of our chaos. It's time to seek Him and to run after Him. And to seek Him with your whole heart, not with a divided heart. Not God on Sunday and hell on Monday. Not God just in these hours and then you leave here and it's y'all, everything else is chaos. It's not how it's to be. Life is chaotic. But we as Christians can be content. And it's about time that we as Christians believe what we say we believe in. I shared with you all, and I've shared with you all throughout the years, Gilda's and my marriage was so rocky in the beginning. So rocky. It was not to a point where it was on a, a, a lifeline. It was almost dead but God but God stepped in and he ignited a passion and a love for him and for each other and you know what, you know what didn't change our circumstances And yet I love her even more today. But for those few years when things were crazy, I wanted the circumstances to change. I'm sure she wanted the circumstances to change. And we weren't going to move forward until the circumstances changed. And we fell enslavement to our desires and our wants. And all along, God was saying, your circumstances should not be defining you. Run if you want, Rob, but you'll get nowhere until you really learn how to love. See, if you're seeking your circumstances to change, then you're only fooling yourself. It's not about changing your circumstances. It's about changing you. That new nature. Growing in it. Maturing in it. To be born again. So here's our plan for this upcoming year. 
we're going to have to dive into God's Word more so than we ever have before. We're going to walk through the Bible together, and it's going to take us, I'm sure, a couple years. But we're going to walk through God's Word. And my prayer is, is that it would encourage us to hunger, to know our God, to see the fullness of who He is, and whom we've given our lives to. That we've considered the cost, that we say, yes, Jesus, you're Lord. I lay down my life. And really what that looks like, and to hold each other accountable to this truth, in hopes that you're out there ministering and being a witness unto the Lord. Urgent times. And we need to be growing brighter. So I would like for us to go to Genesis chapter 1. And as we read scripture, and from these scriptures I'm going to share with you, the insight of these scriptures and hopes to really encourage us. I've meditated and I've been praying through scripture. And what I'm really excited about this morning is, is this picture that we're going to see from the scriptures in which we're going to read. That God desires to be in union with us, in relationship with us. Even from the beginning. He desires us. That's beautiful. This union with God. Romans 5.1 says, Now, through Jesus Christ, we are at peace with God. This wholeness. The relationship isn't broken anymore. All because of what Jesus has done. Not of what you can do, or how good you are. No, all that Jesus has done. Listen to how the Word of God opens. Genesis 1, in the beginning. God. Just stop there. And as I'm encouraging you through, as we go through this study of the Bible, I don't want us to rush through it. I'm not going to keep us here all afternoon, but when you go, and in your time, when you open the Word, meditate on it. In the beginning, God. It goes on, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, making the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. 
God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens, and God called the space sky. And evening passed, and morning came, making the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said that the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced a vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees and with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, making the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, making the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came, making the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals to scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. To be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made. He saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, making the sixth day. So, 
The creation of heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work and creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it to be holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's <laughs> nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch called the Pichon followed around the entire land of Halibia where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromic resin and onk stone are also found there. The second branch called the Gihon flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch called the Tigris flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The God, then I'm sorry, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, Is it not good for the man to be alone? I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. The Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman, because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Wow. If you would just spend time in that portion of Scripture this week and allow God to minister to you, He will bring forth encouragement. Listen to this. In the beginning was God. He's 
the notes that I began to read as I was right as I began to meditate on the scripture. He created, and as he spoke, light came forth, and creation began to form just as he designed it. And he saw that it was good. God, you all. God said, let us, and we see the picture of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in complete union bringing about God's purpose. They weren't working against each other. They were in complete union. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Likeness to me means in unity, in close fellowship, in wholeness, nothing missing, representing a complete union. I see this throughout the whole Bible since the fall of man. God's desire for mankind to be redeemed and in union with him. And that can only take place through Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. All through scripture you see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit working in union with each other to bring about the redemption of mankind. At the end this goal will be completed. And the people of God will be for eternity in complete union with God. You see, when you open up the word of God, you're not seeking for your benefit. No, you're opening up the word of God to seek him and to know him more. You're not using God, you're not using his word to get what you think you need in this life. No, you're to open up the word of God and see God for who he is. How can you see him for who he is and what we just read and still dismiss him when your day gets rough? Because you want to go your way. How can you see him for who he is and still doubt or still hold unforgiveness in your heart? How can you see him and hear him for who he is and still deny him? Because you'd rather give in to your passions and to your lust. Do you not see that God is revealing himself to mankind. And mankind ought to be responding with a humble heart, seeing him for who he is and receiving him for what he has done through Jesus. This complete union with God. This fellowship that we can partake of, you all, with the one who spoke and the earth formed. Do you think upon him? Do you see him for who he is? Because when you do, it'll alter your life. Because when you're born again, it alters your life. He's just not someone you take when, okay, I'll just go to church today. No, it's every day. Every day is church. Every day, you're in his presence. You're walking with him. You're talking with him. He's leading you. He's guiding you. His sheep knows his voice. God, you see, God created man from the dust and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord said, it was not good for man to be alone. And I will make a helper suitable for him. After the beast of the field were created and the birds of the air were created. No suitable helper for the man was found. So God made woman. From a rib he took from Adam, God created woman. He brought her to Adam. And Adam declared, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she is taken out of man. 
Isn't it interesting? See, let your, let your heart begin to be, to be open to, to allow the Holy Spirit to minister and speak clear to you. Because the generation and the world in which we live in will try to dismiss God and all that He has done and pervert God's truth. When one is not walking in relationship with God, when one has not been born again, these things are foreign to them. What they know is what is presented to them and that's what they receive. And in this day and age and throughout the culture, throughout time since it began... The word and his truth has tried to be perverted. Isn't it interesting that God did not set another man to be Adam's helper? No, he created woman. It was a woman who was suitable for a man. And yet we have Christians who have given in to the homosexual community and have, have blessed their unions. Given them this understanding that they're okay with God. Because we don't want to upset people. And home, the homosexuals are not our enemies. They're no different than the drunkards or the druggards or the liars or the gossipers. It's sin. When you're ruled by your rebellious ways, it's sin. The lost is are not, it's not the church's enemy. No, the lost is who the church should be having compassion on. I once was a homosexual. I had many of the church people tell me I was going to hell and how much God hated me. I hated God because of that. But I can recall those Christians who loved me enough to tell me the truth. And yes, I was an abomination to God. Yes, I was going to hell. But I didn't want to hear it because I wanted to do what I wanted to do and live how I wanted to live. I thought man was a better help to me than a woman. I had more desires for a man than for a woman. Those desires were natural to me. But God did not create it that way. There was a time in the, in the process when God was getting a hold of me and I was looking to God and I was seeking after God that I remember being on the beach crying out to God. God, I can't change who I am. I don't know what to do. And I looked up and I saw this family. And God spoke so clear to my heart that day. This is what I purposed. I said, oh God. And I can open up his scripture. And I see that what was spoken to my heart is confirmed in his word. What he created was to bring forth life. And you can't bring forth life with two women or two men. It will only come forth 
relationship blessed in the union of God between a man and a woman. It's what God has created. The word declares that for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. We see in scripture how marriage is a picture of a perfect union between Christ and the church and oh how marriage should be honored. Marriage should be honored. And I'm saddened, not for how the world treats marriage, but how the church treats marriage. It breaks my heart to see how people are living and just disrespecting marriage in the church. And how sad. Because that is not what, how God intended it, nor is that how he created it. The divorce rate within marriages in the church is skyrocketing. And the, church, and the world is looking at us. And what's different with your God? Singles are doing the most craziest things. Christian singles. Sex without marriage. Running amok. The adultery that is taking place in marriages, in the church. And yet we gather on Sundays to worship our God. And somehow we think God is pleased. See, that's why it's so important to be in His Word. That's why it's so important to meditate on His Word. You need to understand who He is and His truths. His truths do not change because the generations change. We... We don't take God's word to adapt to our culture. Though that's what we hear from even the churches today. Because truth be told, preaching like this and laying this out, people don't want to hear this. Hearing how God created, hearing what he has purposed should drive us to our knees. Rather, you're married or you're single. To look at your relationships, are they honoring God? Is it what he intended? The level of abuse, the level of chaos that is running amok in homes and in families and in marriages and in relationships, that is not what God created. What God created was good. And if we as Christians do not respect what and see that what he has created is good, how on earth do you think we're going to live it before the world? And how are they going to see that what he has intended is good? Let's talk about sexuality. Sexuality, sexuality the way God created it, should be honored. A man with a woman, a blessed union of marriage, the enemy, the world, and the flesh pervert what God considers good and entices mankind to go their own way, to enjoy the appetites of their fleshly desires. God help us not to be carried away by that which entices us. We must stay, we must stay alert and in complete union with Him. Think about what you're going back to today. Once you get up from this place, 
The Bible says it's best that you've never heard the truth than to hear the truth and do nothing with it. You are accountable for what you've heard today. Each and every single one of us. God is trying to get our attention. Because we are to be impacting the world with his truth. With our lives lived in union with God. That they would see that there is a difference. And if you have chaos running amok, if your desires are so burning with, with flaming lust, then submit yourself to God. And He will give you what you need to overcome what is hindering you. You can't tame it. No matter how much good works you try, you will not be able to tame it. You must die to it. You must be born again of a new nature. Back in my early days, God, this is all I know. And he would remind me, but that's not who you are now. Well, then who am I? Seek me, Rob. And you'll find out. The same goes with each of us. Who are you now in Christ? You can't just be reacting the way you want to react and do the things you want to do. And slap yourself and stamp yourself saved. Just because that's what the gospel message that is being presented out there today. Live however you want. Do whatever you want. God loves you. Must we remember God's love gave us Jesus. And we've talked about that here before. If it was just God's love that was going to save us, then what was Jesus for? No, 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 no. It is because of God's love that he gave us Jesus. And Jesus willingly laid his life down because no greater love than this that a man will lay down his life for his friends. And we've heard this here over and over and over again. It's because of what Jesus accomplished through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that the church is birthed and we can move forward in power to live a righteous life. A righteous life. Let's go to Matthew. Chapter 1. The birth of Jesus. We read, starting in verse 1, the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And you read through the genealogy of all these people. And through all these people, verse 16, we get to Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Joseph. The husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. All of those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. 
but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Also, he considered this, I'm sorry, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Do you hear Jesus' purpose? He will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the eastern east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they remembered, I'm sorry, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. take time this week go through this portion of scripture meditate on it allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you do you not see God's plan being fulfilled every account that Matthew wrote he backed it up with the prophecy that was stated prophecy that needed to be fulfilled in order for the Messiah to come forth the Messiah the one who would come Jesus to save his people from their sin. So God's plan is to reconcile his people back to himself through his son Jesus. We see that just how he planned it, that it came to pass. And those listed here in this chapter gives us hope that God can work through whoever he chooses to accomplish his purpose. If you go back and you read through the genealogy and you look up who those peoples were, you will recognize they did not have a perfect life. 
They were just mere men and women as we are. And yet God used them. <laughs> he planned it, and it came to pass. And those listed here in this chapter give us hope that God can work through whomever he chooses to accomplish his purpose. The Messiah was to come through the king, I'm sorry, through the lineage of King David. I love how we see Joseph as he's considering not to take Mary as his wife after he heard the news <laughs> that she was pregnant. Can you imagine being Joseph? Hearing this news, the shame that would have been upon him, the shame that would have been upon her, And I love the fact that as we see in his time of considering on what decision to make, God spoke and gave Joseph a clear understanding of his plan. And when Joseph woke up, he obeyed. He didn't doubt, he obeyed. And once a child was born, he did what he was instructed to do. He named him Jesus. So this is what I take from that. Are we seeking him in our times of decision making? If so, are we obedient to his leading, even if we don't agree with it, and others may not give their approval. You see, what we need to understand is that obedience will always lead to God's fulfillment. It was not recorded in Scripture that Joseph questioned God. Well, God, this doesn't make sense. What are other people going to think? I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to take on this responsibility. No, he obeyed. He did what was revealed to him to do. And in that, he obeyed and God's plan was fulfilled. When it comes times for decisions to be made in our lives, no matter what they are, as a Christian, we need to be seeking God. We've all been guilty not seeking him. I certainly have. And the times and the decisions that I've made not seeking God, I've made a mess. <laughs> and then those times when we make a mess, sometimes we just get trapped. And we don't see a way out. Because we, we keep making decisions after decisions after decisions to try to clean up the decision that we made here. So now we're trying to clean up this decision. And now we have to clean up this decision. Before you know, all this mess, his brouhaha, has been built up around us. And now we're stuck. We're frustrated, we're depressed, we're anxious, we're giving in to every type of desire just to numb us. And even in that mess, God still reaches out and says, Child, I'm here. Will you just trust me? God, He loves us, you all. It doesn't matter how far we've gone from Him or what mistakes that we find ourselves in, He pursues us. He is relentless to keep revealing himself to you so that you will be saved from your sins. And yet we run from him. And yet we, we, we get so wrapped up in shame and guilt and we, we, put, we draw away from him. That's the time that you should be drawing near him. The Bible says he loved us, yet though we were in complete rebellion towards him, he loves us. And his desires that you would be in complete union with him. So give thought to God in your times of making decisions. 
The word declares that all of this had to take place to fulfill what the Lord has said through his prophet Isaiah. Chapter 7, verse 14, captures the prophecy that Isaiah said about the Messiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Do we really grasp the impact of that declaration? How is our lives being lived out with this truth? God with us. God with you. Our lives are to be lived bringing him glory and honor, being an example to others of his grace and his mercy, of his power in freeing the captives and bringing them into true freedom. For he has come to set the captives free, to redeem mankind back to their original state of being in complete union with God. And grace. Grace is not the license to keep sinning. Grace is the power that transforms you. So stop muddying up the word grace and giving you the right to keep sinning. No, grace is the power that transforms your life because you've been born again of this new nature. God with us. I want you to go throughout this week and I want you to think about that. I want you to give thought to the fact that God is with you. That will help you make decisions. When you keep the present reality that God is with me, you won't keep making decisions that dishonor Him. If you've been born again, if you haven't, you can have the concept that God's with me, but I'm not honoring Him. And that's not how you're to be living. As a child of God, you're to be honoring Him. God with you. God with us. You ought to be excited about your faith. Remember, it's not when your circumstances are great, then you'll be excited. <laughs> Jesus himself tells his children in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. The Apostle Paul gives us great comfort with his words when he says, I've learned to be content. Rather, I'm rich or poor, or I'm slaved or I'm free. Content. That peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter what your circumstances may look like. Do you realize the report that just came out last week? Do you know what group of people on the face of this earth are the most persecuted? Christians was either 60 or 90,000 Christians were martyred last year. People of faith. People of faith. Christians are being killed because they believe in Christ. You will not be liked by the world. The world is going to find your love and your zeal for God offensive. And the very message of hope, this very message of love, this very message of, of reconciliation with God, they will not hear as one of hope. They would hear it as hate speech. Because we're not giving them a right to be and live how they want. You see, Jesus himself says, what, you thought I came to bring peace? 
I know that's how the world and, and some churches even like to make Jesus look like. Like he's come just to bring peace to everyone. That's why you must open the word to really see him for who he is. Jesus, these are his words. I did not come to bring peace. I came to divide. You live for Christ. Your very presence will bring division. To some, you will be a fragrance of life. To others, you will be a stench of death. No matter how well you serve them, you will be hated. And you will be killed, most likely. It amazes me here in America that we could just be so blasé about our Christian faith. When we have our brothers and sisters over in other lands, when they bow their knee to Jesus, they know right then and there what they just did. Their homes could be taken from them. Their children could be taken from them. Their wives could be brutally tortured and raped in front of them until they would just deny Jesus, and they will not deny Jesus. And yet a little blows up against us, and we're quick to deny him to go our way because we're too uncomfortable. We've got to wake up, church, here in America. We've got to wake up. We've got to seek him for who he is and live for him. God with us. God with you. And what does that look like for you as you're going about your day in and day out? As you get up from this place today and go to where you're heading, God with you. And you best remember it. Because why would you be taking him to the places that you're going? And why would you be reacting the way you're reacting and the filth coming out of your mouth? God with you. Come on, you all. You've been born again if you've accepted Jesus Christ. And in that nature, you're to grow in it. You are to mature in it. You're not going to continue down the same patterns. You may slip up, but you're quick to get up. It's all about restoration. It's all about allowing others to see Christ in you. Go to Psalm 1. I'm coming to a close. Psalm 1. Listen to these words that were penned. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they, never, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. 
and we've talked about it a lot here, we know that all the flesh knows to do is what? Die. Your flesh, that fleshly desires, they will only lead you to destruction. That's why you're not to be walking by your flesh. The Bible says that you as a child of God, one who has been born again of this new nature, now should habitually walk in the Spirit. And in doing so, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul himself says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who would save me from this wretched life? I want to do what I want to do, but I keep doing what I don't want to do. And he goes back and forth. And some people just leave it there, but he gives us the answer. Jesus saves us from that torment, you all. There is freedom in Jesus, you all. You do not have to be bound by sin. Romans 6 says, sin should not be your master, for you should be no longer serving the flesh. For now you are a slave to righteousness, right living with God. And look what Psalm 1 says lays out for us. The one in whom is blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. For he will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And so I ask you, as I challenge myself, how much time are you giving Meditating on God's truth. I've challenged you all before and I'll challenge you again. You really want to see where your heart is? Journal your time this week. And be honest with that journaling. No one else is going to look at it. See how much God fits into your week. And we're called to meditate upon His truth. Day and night. Those who do that are those who will prosper and be blessed. You won't go the ways of this world. You won't seek to find your identity in this world. You will live differently. Are we delighting in the law of the Lord? Or are we living in a false sense of freedom and blessing? Good question here. Whose counsel do you seek? I want you to think about this week on whose counsel you sought. Careful. Don't go to the ungodly for counsel. All they know is destruction. And listen to this. Are you standing in the way of sinners? Do you know what that means? Let me break it down for you. Hear this description and see if you fit into this. Do you like to partake of their ways? Do you sit with mockers, those who attack or treat with ridicule, contempt, or criticize others? Are you like those who are lost? Do you attack or treat with ridicule, contempt, or do you criticize others? Because that's not the way of a believer.
too many times each of us have gone that way. Each of us go that way. We get caught up in conversations, we get caught up, people start doing whatever, and then we feel that, oh, I shouldn't partake, but we give in. God help us to be able to feel that conviction, don't partake. Turn from it, get up from the table, the lunch table. Walk out of the room, if need be. Do not partake of destruction. But what are people going to think? That you honor the God in whom you say you serve? That's what they're going to think. Rather they mock you or not. I would rather have God's honor displayed than your tongue give in to such destruction. Don't be fooled. The wicked will not prosper and will not be blessed. They will be like the chaff that blows away with the wind. They will perish. For those whom delight in the law of the Lord, who are being transformed into his likeness, the Lord watches over them. To rest in the knowledge, to live in this truth, brings the peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm not sure what you're going to be facing within the next hour. But what I'm sure of is if you're in complete union with God, if you've been born again, no matter what presses up against you, you will not be crushed. For God is with those who delight in Him. Let's close in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. I've given you a lot of scripture today. And my hope is that you will go, you'll read the notes, they'll be posted, they'll be emailed out. You'll go back to these scriptures and take time to meditate upon them, to give thought to them. You see, God is not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to go his way. No, he reveals himself to you. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 6. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Listen to their purpose. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in the Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. These Proverbs are to be used to obtain wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a discipline and showing care and thought for the future, you all, for doing what is right and just and fair, and to share it with others through our actions and words. Do we seek to live in this manner? How are others seeing our lives through our actions and words? We must stop making excuses. We must yield ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to transform us by changing the way we think. So what are you thinking upon? Listen to your words, your heart, and your thoughts because they will reveal to you what you're thinking upon. And when that revelation comes to you, there's only two things that you could do for it. Feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and repent and turn to God. Or 
deny God and go your way. It's the only two options you have. Stop making excuses and blaming others. You will be held accountable before the living God. He will not accept your excuses and don't be fooled. He will not bend the rules for you. For he is a just God and faithful to his word. And that's what you're going to see as we go through the Bible. He is faithful to his word. He's not changing it so that it'll adapt to the culture and to the generation. No, he is faithful to what he has purposed. He is relentless in pursuing us to turn back to him and receive the fullness of his love and complete union with him. If not, we will be embraced by his wrath. You see, it is time to draw close to him. To seek him, not to continue to go our way. We must learn to remain in him. The Bible says to abide in him. And to learn how we are to live now as those who have been redeemed, born again. Those in complete union with God. And who have peace with Jesus Christ. Can you say today in your heart of hearts that you're at peace with God? If not, then I implore you. As this last song plays, ask Him to grant you that peace as you accept Jesus for who He is. He is the Messiah. The one who has come to save people from their sins. We've got all this scripture to go through. We're going to break it down. We're going to open it up. But I have to encourage you all. If you're not right with God, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed. We all have one thing in common. We're all dying. Each one of us, our last breath will be taken. I look at these elderly people. I think I saw three or four pictures of those who were killed in Fort Lauderdale. And I go, to live that long and then to be gunned down. Can't make sense of things like that. I only can pray that they were right with God. But they were just going about their day. Maybe even enjoying vacation with their families. And then, I don't know if you saw the footage, the fear in the hearts and the lives of those people who were running through the terminal and on the, on the tarmac. Families were separated. I don't know if you've heard how them interviewing the people, just the fear that was provoked. This is the generation in which we're living in. Everyone's living on edge. But we have the hope, you all. We have the message of truth, of salvation. But if we don't believe it, and if it hasn't impacted us, then how would it impact them? You are to be born again. So again, I'll just encourage you, as this last song plays, just allow you yourself to spend some time with God. And maybe you just need to get right with Him. Maybe you've accepted Him before, but yet you've just gone your way. Well, then turn back to Him. Remember what it was like to be in the house of the Father. Remember that first love. 
Or maybe you've never accepted him. But maybe today, the Holy Spirit is quickening you to say it's time. He's revealing himself to you. He's drawing you to himself. Well, however you need to respond, I pray you will. Let me get this set.